Hey folks, you're listening to the Money Date Podcast, a podcast that my husband and I launched to help young couples get real about their money. We'll ask our friends and a few strangers all the uncomfortable and awkward questions about how they handle their money. All the gory details, and hopefully a few tips and tricks along the way that you can pick up and use in your own relationship. In today's episode, we're joined by Andy Hill of MarriageKidsAndMoney.com. Andy is not just a prolific blogger and podcaster, he's also an all-around nice guy. Him and his wife, Nicole, join us for a conversation about how they've handled money in their relationship and talk to us about the good times and bad. All right. Andy and Nicole, welcome to the show today. We like to get things kicked off by learning a little bit about the two of you, your your origin story, so to speak, backstory. How did uh, the two of you meet? Ooh. Mm-hmm. You want to take this one? A poke? <laughs> you got to clarify very quick oh, because sorry. that's sounds sexual. A digital poke. Right. right. <laughs> On the Facebook, Facebook poke. Yeah, we have a mutual friend um, and I happened to, so I moved out to California after college, a few years after college and um, found a lovely group of Midwesterners to hang out with. I moved in with one of them and she happens to be one of Andy's friends from middle school, high school, college. They're very close. And um, so I was rooming with her. I started a Facebook page. He saw pictures of us hanging out and he was like, Oh, I guess I should go visit my friend Aaron and she's got really hot roommates. <laughs> One in particular. And I had kind of seen um a, a picture and video of him prior to um him poking me on Facebook and was like, Oh, he's super cute and had, you know, lots of failed relationships till that point. So I was definitely <laughs> like open to meeting a nice Midwest boy. Yeah. And it was just perfect. Yeah. So social media, the YouTube, all that good stuff that uh, you know that's out there now. It really helped us to get together, actually. You should tell Facebook that they shouldn't have removed that poke feature. Dr. The Bird, only example of it working. <laughs> <laughs> and and so tell me, when did you guys, as you met, as you started dating, you know, what happened? Tell us a little bit about the evolution of your relationship. Uh yeah. So we. Got together, that was the end of 2008, okay. and I went out there to go visit my, you know, my friend and and, and my new friend, Nicole, and yeah, it, it, we headed off pretty quickly. Um, we had been talking on the phone prior to that for like a month and, you know, really connected, and then when we got there, when I got there, we had a, a great weekend, and we just kind of went into like, okay, uh, we're, we're together now. I think I put my bag right in your room <laughs> when I got there. It was very presumptuous. <laughs> Right. No, I think I think we're good. So the first weekend he came to visit me out in California, which we did the long distance thing for like six months. But the first time he came to visit, we went down to visit a friend of mine who was having a birthday party. And it was like a really we went down to San Diego. It was a, a really long day of like bar hopping. And my car got broken into mm-hmm. at the oh, wow. like we were like heading back to to Los Angeles after like a really, really long day and got back to my car maybe at like nine or 10 at night. And the, uh, the whole thing was just filled with glass from somebody busting through the window. So, um, it was very interesting. He was totally my rock through that. We, and we, the fact that we like something like that happened during really the first weekend we had ever hung out and like, we were able to laugh through it and make it more of a like fun event 
rather than stressful or anything like that. And I feel like that pulled us close together, like going through a hardship right early on. Um, I don't think I've ever heard you say that. Closer together cool. than you know. <laughs> I'll take that. I remember that. I think you should rebrand as the best thing that ever happened to me was my car got broken into. <laughs> <laughs> right there we go. That works. She still has that car. <laughs> but yeah, no, we dated long distance for six months, and then um, she eventually moved back to Michigan, where she's originally from. And um, shortly after that, we got engaged. One of the challenges about being long distance, Summer and I spent seven years doing long distance and, and know the trials and tribulations that come with. But one of the challenges is that money is actually something that comes up rather quickly in a long distance relationship because you're spending money trying to fly out, see each other, spending money together. When did you guys even start talking about money and finances in your relationship? Well, I mean, you, you bring up a good point. Like, uh, money became a part of the conversation because of the realities of the relationship. Like I think I was making maybe like $40,000 a year. And so traveling from Detroit to California quite often was a lot of money. You know, I would, I would catch the cheap spared airlines, red eyes, which would help would save me a little bit of money. Um, but yeah, it was a lot to travel out there and do the, you know, do the dating thing, like go out to dinner and do all the fancy stuff. Cause you know, you want to have fun. And especially if you're in, in Detroit in the wintertime, Southern California, uh, in December, January and February is a pretty great place to be. So you want to take advantage of that and, and have as totally. much fun as possible. So you came out to visit a lot. Yeah. He was not frugal at that point, I'm, <laughs> and I'm thankful that he hadn't gotten into Dave Ramsey yet because maybe we wouldn't be married. Right. You, we might have been like, I can't afford those plane tickets. Sorry. Right. Yeah. I know. You were was, a little more like paycheck to paycheck at that point. I was very paycheck to paycheck. It was the best investment I've ever made. Absolutely. <laughs> Take that, Dave Ramsey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. Obviously, that was only uh, sustainable up to a point in time. And I know that the, the topic of debt and managing that uh, is an important topic for the both of you and something, Andy, that you've discussed with many of your guests. When did that switch begin to happen? When did the conversation about debt come into the picture? Um, probably, probably around the time we were starting to uh, get married or think about getting married. Um, we started to talk a little bit more about what you got, what do you have? What do I have? And right. uh, I had a lot of debt um, based on um, where we were in life. I was doing my MBA program and it was my first bout with student loans uh, because uh, I was you know, lucky enough to have my parents help me out with my undergrad. And then the second time around, they're like, go for it, you know, figure it out. Yep. And I ended up taking out about $30,000 worth of student loans um, I used my home equity line of credit like it was like a ATM machine and um, <laughs> borrowed from that a lot. Anytime I'd want to do anything, pretty much go out to see my my new girlfriend and my my fiance. <laughs> um, you know, so I used I used debt a lot as sort of a tool to help me to do to pay for things that I really wanted at the time in my twenties. And uh, I, I don't really regret it, honestly, because we were able to work hard together to get it out. And it really, it really worked out. You know, it, it netted me the things that I really wanted in my life. And that was, you know, a relationship with my wife that I have now of almost 10 years. So definitely worth it. But, you know, we, we started those conversations of, hey, I've got I've got student loan debt. I've got a HELOC. And, you know, y- you don't really have any debt. You had a lease car that which we ended up. Uh, buying afterwards. So that became a debt. But we started these conversations and we said, okay, well, we're going to combine our income and we're going to make some good money. I think even out of the 
correct me if I'm wrong, out of some of our conversations, we said, hey, if we get any money from the wedding, like gifts and things like that, we'll, we'll pay off your HELOC like right away. Right. Um, so yeah, we had some of those conversations probably, probably not too early in the process. I would say maybe months before we were married, we were probably talking about these things. What do you think? Am, am I right? Yeah. I can remember two conversations we had about money before getting married, but we really didn't get into um, budgeting and stuff like that until after after, yeah. after we were married. But the two conversations we had before getting married, um, there was one time, and I'm kind of leading, this is going to spoil one of the answers, I think, <laughs> for, the, um, for the honeymoon game or honey, newlywed game, um, is that there was a, a, a situation that happened when we were first dating where um, Andy came out to visit in California. And um, it was three girls and him and he didn't pay the cab. And, um, and I was, you know, for me at the time was like, you're with three girls, you should pay the cab. You know, I just, that was my thought at the (laughs) time. And Uh I was kind of like, I didn't know what his money situation was, how he thinks about money. And I was kind of like, I don't know if this is chivalry or if this is normal or whatever. And it kind of threw me off because up until this point he had been paying for his plane tickets to come out and this and that. So, um, that was like one time that we, and I confronted him about it. I was like, you know, I just, this is not how I grew up. And mm-hmm. I, it was something you were used to. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, we just, yeah, we had a, like kind of an awkward conversation around it. I um, love it. And really curious, like Nicole, how did you, like, did you feel weird about breaking it up? Cause you know, money isn't oh. necessarily something couples love talking about in the early days of their relationship. Oh, it was awful. But it it was something really, really bothering me. And I didn't talk to him about it until after he had left that weekend. And um, we talked on the phone and I was like, listen, I'm like, this is going to be really, really awkward. And I hate talking about money, yeah. but I have to discuss this with you because it threw me off. Um, mm-hmm. And he had explained to me that he just grew up with you know, a very feminist family. And, you know, that would be an insult if he just assumed he had, you know, would pay for everything all of the time. And, um, you know, so we kind of talked about the differences in our backgrounds and our cultures and stuff like that. And it totally made sense to me. But that was, yeah, that was like our first money conversation. And then after that, there was another conversation that we had because we had to go through schooling through the, we got married in a Catholic church and they make you go through some, um, classes mm-hmm. like, uh, to Pre-marital get married. Counseling. So, yep. Yep. Thank you. Exactly. So are you familiar too? <laughs> yeah. We've, we've heard, we've heard so many stories of couples and they've described some of the dynamics. I think it's awesome. I do too. I thought that was very, and it wasn't all just about church talk and God, it was, they actually brought up finance and we were like, Oh, okay. Yeah, this is pretty important. And they encouraged us to talk about whether or not we would have joint, um, checking and savings or whether we thought we would have separate. And at the time we were both just like, yeah, joint, why not? You know, like we're getting married or we're all in, like, I don't want to start off like with, you know, separate everything. I don't know if we would have done that if we knew now what we knew then, you know, I mean, I think that there's a lot of different options that we could have explored, like the mine, yours and ours Mm -hmm. option. Um, but we did put everything together and we've figured out a way through trial and error to make that work. Lots of trial and error. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
But, um, but yeah, so those were the two conversations we had prior to getting married and that's pretty much it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, those, those conversations definitely helped us to understand more about each other. And then as we've learned a lot over 10 years to find some good middle ground. You said, Nicole, that knowing what you know today, you might have done things differently where it concerned uh, joint accounts. Uh, what would you have done differently? I, I kind of like the idea of the mine yours and ours where, you know, you have a joint account and it pays all the bills. It, it pays all the things that are like not necessarily flexible. So groceries and stuff like that. But then when it comes to like fun money or um, clothing, clothing I think having separate accounts would be nice because you, there's, you can use that at your discretion. You know, you have $500 a month, you can get your nails done if you want to, and nobody's going to look at you funny. Um, you can, whatever, you can go kayaking with your friends and, you know, without the stress of somebody seeing that on the bank account. Now, Andy and I have worked it out to where we give each other those line items in the budget. So it pretty much works out the same way, but I think, you know, I, I I don't think there would be anything wrong with having separate accounts for that, too. I think that could be kind of cool. It's so funny, Nicole, lis- listening to you say that, you know, for me, I actually love not seeing those expenses on Delmar's side because I think it would give me anxiety seeing them. Yeah. So I just oh, yeah, I love sure. that I'm like, oh, OK, but that's on your side of the table. Like, just don't tell me about it. It's almost like right. you don't want the transparency. <laughs> right. And Andy, what do you think? Would, do you agree with Nicole? Would you would you sort of have explored a different way of thinking about things? And especially as you've gotten so savvy about money um, over, since since those early years of living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, I think the the joint thing worked really well for us in the beginning, um, and when Nicole went to become a stay at home mom, because I, I was fearful that if it wasn't joint or if it wasn't all together, and I'm sure there's ways you could figure it out, but my mindset at the time was she's going to go from full-time income to part-time income to no income. And I don't want her to feel like this isn't our money, you know? So we'd have to figure that out. Obviously the the levels with which go in each of these accounts, but uh, very conscientious of, you know, making her feel like, Hey, she still has control. She still has a say. She still has, you know, uh, she's just as important as I am in the money decisions. That's why I think we went with the joint and we just kept with it. But over the past couple of years, we've had a lot of conversations about switching it up, especially as, as, as we've had some like, you know, disagreements on like what we both feel are important, you know, things to yep. use the money for. Yep. Um, so and I want her to feel that autonomy. I want her to feel that independence. So I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. I, I wouldn't mind uh, you know, switching things up. I think it's I think it's good for the marriage to switch things up after 10 years, don't you think? Totally, totally. <laughs> especially with money, because it's the number one thing that drives conflict, you know, so. It's it's such a smart idea. I, I'm curious, you know, you guys, Andy, you podcast about marriage, kids and money. Um, and I'm curious how any of your money conversations or even feelings about money changed or evolved when you guys had kids. Oh, yeah. I mean, a lot. Um, we were living for today. We were enjoying ourselves. It was the two of us and we were and vacationing and having fun and going to concerts and doing wild things, going out and going to nice dinners and drinks and things like that. And, you know, personally for me, when I learned that we were having our daughter, uh, something clicked in my brain. It just kind of went, ah, OK, you know, you're not just living for today. You're not living for 
just the two of you, you're bringing a human into the world and you've got to protect this person. So, and I've, I've researched this, I've looked into this. There's like some physical science around this that happens in father's brains. It's a different, it's a different emotion for mothers where it's more of, you know, protection and things like that. But uh, same sort, same sort of thing for fathers. It's like, all right, what can I do in my own, you know, fatherly fashion to make sure that everything is okay. And for me, it went to finances. It was like, okay, We've got this debt. Mostly it was mine. What can we do to eliminate that as fast as possible so we're debt-free before our daughter comes into the world? Because that would personally make me feel great. Yeah. Um, and that's where some of our conversations started to happen together on how we could do it together. Um, and yeah, my approach maybe in the beginning was a little heavy-handed. My 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 mentor at the time, was, as, as Nicole brought it up, was Dave Ramsey. And he's got this sort of heavy-handed approach of like, Yep. You do it this way, and if you don't do it that way, then you're dumb. Or what? You yep. know, it's like yep. it's like yep. okay, well, okay, <laughs> yep. you know, maybe that's not true, but but it works, right? I mean, it works for it works in different fashions for different people. But for me, that was like the book that I read, and I read it cover to cover, and I'm like, well, no, this is what this book says. So we have to do all of these things. Mm. You see, it's in a book, right? It's an author. He's he's published. So. <laughs> So uh, my explanation exactly. in the beginning or, or my, my bringing her across was um, uh, not the best route. And I've, I've learned to speak more in her language over, over the years. <laughs> and what is that language, Andy? How have you softened over the years? Uh, for me, it's speaking less about the numbers and the goals and the facts and the figures and more about the emotional side of things. What drives her? What excites her? What personal goals does she have in her life? And at the time... At that point, it was, hey, if we're going to have a child and maybe another one, or maybe we were talking three originally, um, I'm not sure that I want to be working full time. I want to raise our kids at home. And right. that sort of became our driving force then. Okay, well, I want to become debt free um, and you want to be able to stay at home with the kids. So, okay, we actually have a mutually uh, you know, a beneficial uh, goal here. It's, we're just saying it in different words. So as soon as I start to be able to learn how to speak in her language of here's, here's why we're doing these types of things, it'll help us move in that direction for you to be able to stay at home with the kids. I think that's when we were able to connect a little bit more. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. It, it, I, I could care less about seeing the number in our brokerage account mm -hmm. or in our, you know, network 401k or net worth. Mm -hmm. I, I could care less. It's a meaningless number to me. What I think about when I'm at the store and I have to put purchases back because it doesn't fall within this month's budget, I'm not thinking, oh, because I need that net worth number to grow. I'm thinking, if I put this back, that's a little bit closer to Andy having financial independence and being able to be home, working mm -hmm. from home. We can go out to lunch together. We can do yard work during the day. We can, you know, spend time together while the kids are at school. He'll be home when they come off of the bus. Those are the things that drive me to, um, you know, be a little bit more um, responsible and, and not spend as much as we make. Um, I but love yeah, Andy's, Andy's driven by like those number goals. <laughs> He's like, Oh, we'll be at 500 by X, Y, Z date. And I'm like, who cares? Like what, what's the date till you can be home and have lunch with me in the middle right. of the day when the kids are at school? Like, I love the way you said that. Cause I'm so like Andy, I am like <laughs> exactly <laughs> like Andy, but Delmar is more like you, Nicole. And he, he connects much more deeply to those, those human stories than he does to any number. 
on a bank account balance. Is that fair to say, Virtual Delmar? high five, Delmar. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Nicole, as you were speaking, I was like, that, that's exactly me. Um, uh, and Aditi, you took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, Andy, we were talking about the ways that your language has shifted to accommodate uh, Nicole's uh, sort of uh, approach and sort of thoughts around finances. Nicole, how, if at all, have you shifted or changed or shaped your language uh, to, to sort of reflect or accommodate uh, Andy's way of thinking? Hmm. Let's see. You've been very flexible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, no give yourself some credit here because you have been. <laughs> um, I don't know how I've changed my language. I feel like, you know, I've just learned that when Andy comes to me with new ideas to take a breath and not be like, okay, this is going to be it for the rest of our lives because he changes our direction and course so often Mm -hmm. that I know, okay, let's, let's go through this exercise mm. and then he'll see that it makes no sense. <laughs> and so maybe I think the way that I've changed my language is I've learned not to freak out right away. <laughs> humoring okay. him, humoring his ideas. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I, did, did you come home with any ideas for, uh, yeah. for as well? I'm like, oh, look, plenty. this is a fantastic real estate opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> And Dumber's like, oh, God, here we go again. Um, don't we, don't you think we've invested in too many of these things, though? Um, but one thing I'm really curious about, and I love talking to, to couples who have the opportunity to spend a couple of years going through the realities of having kids and, and thinking about their future. Nicole, this is a question for you. You know, how is your experience with money and your experience watching you and Andy navigate money affected or, or or impacted your outlook on how you want your kids to manage money? We both want them to be very responsible with mm -hmm. money because mm -hmm. we see, um, we, we both help, like, it, we don't run the... We just we coordinate just, or volunteer. Yeah, we volunteer mm -hmm. and we help to run the Dave Ramsey courses at a local church. Mm -hmm. And we see a lot of people that... Um, that are, that have not been educated in money. And we were those people too. Right. So I'm not throwing anybody under the bus here. I mean, it is just not something that's taught in school, which is unfortunate. So we're taking it upon ourselves to really try to teach our kids that early on. Um, because we just know we both kind of got our money philosophies through osmosis, mm -hmm. but we want to be really, um, particular about the message that we send to our kids. We want to make sure that they're, they, that being charitable is something that is just, just happens. We don't want them to like have to come on that on their own later in life. We do, we want them to, to just put that one third away and know that that's what you should do. We want them to know that they have to work for money. So we do, you know, chores around the house. And if they do their chores, then they get their money and then they're, they're pretty responsible with it. The, the choices that they make, like we, we let them buy one new toy per month. Mm -hmm. Their birthday money is lasting like nine months. Totally. <laughs> That's some generous, generous grandparents that'll give them some money. And then, <laughs> and then Nicole has been really good at it because it was, it was a, a part, um, part responsibility, but also part frustration for you where they, where, you, where they'd have this money and they'd be like, well, I'm going to go to the store. I've got this money. And then they'd want to go three days later and then three days later. And you're like, well, I'm not going to go to the store all the time to buy right. these toys. And you're not even, right. you, you break them or don't use them anymore. Right. 
And so you limited it to one day, one day a month, right? Uh, yeah, because I'm also a little bit of a minimalist, so it yeah. kills me to buy these plastic toys every two days. Yeah, <laughs> but I love um, it. so, so it's like a ritual that they've they've gotten used. To. They're like, oh, what are we? What is that one thing that we're gonna go get this month? Yeah, and it's cool to see them like be picky and choosy when they go to the store instead right. of being like, I want 10 toys today and I'm going to cry and have a spaz attack if I don't get 10 <laughs> toys today. I'm not saying that we don't still have like issues with them once in a while, but the, when we go into a store, they're not, I mean, yeah, they're pretty responsible. Yeah. They know that we're going in, we're buying one thing and we're leaving and they'll, they'll pick up three toys and they'll actually look at them. And these are five and seven year old kids. Like they're not that old yet. And it kind of right. blows my mind that they're already able to look at three toys, put two of them back on the shelf. Yeah. And a good thing That's that Nicole's cool. done too, is um, even if she's going to, to the store with them, which she goes to the store with them a lot, she has conversations with them beforehand being like, we're going to the store to buy groceries. We're not mm -hmm. going to buy toys, other things. We're going to buy these. These are the things. And then we're leaving. So she has conversations with beforehand. So there's an expectation that, hey, we're not here to buy anything and everything. We're here to get these groceries and go. So I, I, I think that's good. And it's something that even as adults, we're hoping that they remember that don't just walk aimlessly into Target and buy anything you right. want. You're here for that one thing and then go, right? Rituals help with that. You know, Aditi brought up this word rituals. And I know that this is something you've talked about as well, Andy. Uh, what other rituals have the two of you built up either with yourselves or or, or with your kids, uh, in addition to the one that you've just spoken about, to help keep you on track? Well, we invented something called the budget party uh, when we got mm -hmm. together uh, originally in, this is probably 2011, maybe 2010. We oh. used to get pizza and wine, <laughs> and now we're like <laughs> lucky if we start it at 10 o'clock at night instead of 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> originally, it was a ritual to try to bring my wife on board to talk about the numbers. Uh, your money date for that for, for yeah, your show. Here. Yeah. We call it our budget party. And um, yeah, it included some wine and beer and pizza. And, you know, we'd watch a movie afterward and we, we'd look at the numbers. It was a lot less lined items back then, maybe yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, for us to review. But yeah, we would, um, you know, look at our spending from the previous month, see how we did, plan our spending for the next month and then talk about our financial goals. We were at the time it was, hey, how can we get rid of this debt so that you can, you know, go to part time and then eventually full time at home. And then we've continued that tradition for the past well, seven years now, eight years. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's one tradition we're doing. Quick that's question for you. Do you, I was just going to ask, do you ever plan or think about inviting the kids to that tradition? It's mm, a good question. In the future. Yeah, maybe in the future. It's pretty adultish right now. <laughs> I mean, we're really like looking at receipts. Like it's just not, it wouldn't yeah. be. It's going to get yeah. boring very quickly for them. Yeah. yeah, there are there are some traditions we're doing with the kids. She talked about the shopping trip, the once a month sure. shopping yeah. trip. Um, you better believe they know when it's the first of the month. Oh yeah, they're ready. <laughs> they're like, my August toy is going to be this, and you know they're they're planning it. But um, it. one one tradition I started with the kids um, probably we last do year. Chores and the big give. Yep. Yeah, we do. Um, well, we didn't chore since she was about five now. So, yeah, we started um, chore, a chore and reward program when Zoe was about five. So every Saturday morning, the kids get up and we, you know, do their morning routine and then we make them some breakfast. And then they have three chores to complete that 
support the family. And as they get older, the chores get a little harder. You know, when Calvin was four, when he was doing it, it's essentially like, hey, buddy, take these clothes out of the dryer and put them in this basket. And that's your chore. Um, But um, as they get older, we've given them we've given them more difficult, you know, chores and we give them a dollar for every age that they are. So Zoe gets seven bucks now and then um, she splits it between now four jars, <laughs> uh, spending, saving, giving, and we just started an invest jar for her and we're starting oh to talk gosh. about investing. That's so, amazing. Yeah, we're trying to start some conversations with her early because we know the importance of compound interest and what that can really do for her life. So um, we're excited about that. And then another tradition we do is called uh, the Big Give, where in that in that give jar, um, we have the money start to pile up and then every quarter we get together and I show them a couple of videos from some charities that I think they might appreciate as kids. Yeah. And we watch those videos and then they decide who they want to give their money to. And That's we've had awesome. some really great experiences as being a part and of that. Uh, milkshakes. <laughs> and, yeah, they get milkshakes too. We gotta, we gotta throw it a little That's party so in awesome. there. A little fun. I, I remember one family Christmas, instead of giving presents presents, we have prison. Presents, we all got a check. And it was a check that we could write to any charity that we wanted to write it to. And it was one of those things that I just, at the back of my mind, it's always stayed with me because it required me to go do the research, figure out who I wanted to give this money to, and then, you know, really make a case for it with my family um, because they had to sign off to make sure that we weren't trying to give it off to some cult. Um, And it was was a really, really great ritual. And it's it's something that you're describing is is something that I, I wish, you know, my parents had done more of when I was a kid. That's incredible. How old were you when that happened? For Christmas? I was like 10. I was, I was not very, and it was like a significant amount of money. I mean, much more than what a 10 year old is expected, you know, is used to seeing. And so I felt a lot of responsibility and I'm obsessed with animals. So all of my money was going to go to a dog charity. Everyone do that. But, <laughs> but it was, it was fun to go through like, who do I want to give it to? Is it this one or that one or, or somebody who's way closer to, to the ground versus somebody that's a national organization. And going through that thought process really made me think about, you know, learn some really good principles about investing and, and thinking about where I was putting my money. Did they do it again after that or when, just the one Christmas? We didn't. We didn't do it again. But it was something that just stayed with me. Um, right. And it's something that I would love for us to just can maintain. Like, even if it's one of your Christmas presents, you know. Um, but right. it's something that you just you give every year. I think it's a it's a really powerful ritual. And you probably remember that more than any plastic toy that yeah, you got, probably absolutely. right. Andy, uh, you you and Nicole have talked about two concepts which I wanted to to jump into for a moment because these have both helped you uh, meet your goals. One is the fifty fifty path, and the other one is the zero based budget. Um, can you tell our listeners what those concepts mean and and why you settled on adopting those to help you meet your goals? Yeah, sure. The fifty the fifty fifty path started from some of the things we've talked about already, where we said, okay, um, Nicole, you and I combined now since we're uh, dinks, you know, no kids, uh, and we're making good money. We're probably making a little over six figures, and we've got you know fifty thousand dollars of debt to get rid of. What if what if we just lived on half and tried to figure this out? Because we were living on half before, <laughs> because we were single, right? So we sort of adopted that live on 50, you know, spend 50 mm-hmm. uh, since paying off that original debt load. And um, it helped us to do some pretty incredible things. Not only did we pay off that that debt, that $50,000 in debt in about 12 months, but we kept up that same pace 
after we had some of our kids and we were able to pay off our mortgage in less than five years as well. And we've continued it. Uh, we're starting to slip uh, away from the 50, 50 model. And, um, you know, a lot of it, a little bit of it has been some conversations that Nicole and I have had and sort of my realization that it's like, okay, you know, let's, 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 let's enjoy a little bit more. So I think say a high savings rate is like a superpower, honestly, but, um, it's also good to enjoy what you've saved and enjoy life. So we're working on some financial independence plans, but I'm, I'm, I'm in less of a hurry now because we've got such a great life right now and I want to continue to enjoy it and, and have some great memories with my wife. Um, and then I'm sorry, what was the other question you asked? Yeah. yeah, the zero-based budget. So the fifty-fifty path was 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 one uh, approach that you've uh, used in the past. Uh, zero-based yes. approach or zero-based budget was another. Yeah, and the zero-based budget, uh, we've been again with uh, using. We've been using Mint uh, for a long time, um, and with that, we had uh, used, utilized the zero-based budget. And essentially, that is assigning a dollar, assigning a dollar to everything that you want to spend in your life, whether that's groceries or getting your nails done or going kayaking with your friends on the weekend and labeling it all so that your budget will equal zero at the end because you've assigned everything a dollar. And we've done that for, yeah, now seven years. Um, I love the infusion of these new advanced apps uh, that are really, um, you know, shaking things up, especially for couples. I love what you guys are doing, Oddity. And um, yeah, it's another great way to really have the conversation with your spouse and just kind of make it easy. Take away all of the the little things like, you know, I had that budget on a piece of paper somewhere. Where'd that go? Right. Or, you right. know, <laughs> right. which is the reality of a lot of couples still. Yeah, absolutely. Wait, so the guys, we're going to actually transition us into the second half of the podcast, which is uh, right. what we affectionately call the honeymoon game. And what we do is we, we've asked you a set of five questions before we started recording our podcast, and you've each written down your own answers to those questions. So what we wanted to do was sit down and go through those questions for our listeners so they can hear what, what your answers were. Are you guys ready? I'm excited. Summer, take us away. All right. Question number one. If your partner won a million dollars today, what would they do with the money? What I wrote for right. Andy is brokerage. <laughs> Just put it all in percent. Virtual fist bump out of the <laughs> Amen. Andy, how'd she do? I think you're pretty spot on. No. <laughs> because in my defense, because yeah. you saved so much, you were able to have the emotional side of freedom. Right. <laughs> See how we convinced each other then of these get, things in the past. What is it? That's the three percent rule you'd get. Four percent rule. Four yeah. percent rule? Yeah, yeah. So you'd get four thousand a month? No, no. 40,000 40, a 40, year. 40,000 a year. It's pretty good. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, yeah, don't yeah. forget, you got to pay price tax. So. Oh, that's right. Gonna... That's right. Yes. From, from the, the bring you down, down, down it's a lottery. <laughs> <laughs> Some of us have done more research on this than one would like. <laughs> like Andy, what do you say? Yeah. Um, I said that Nicole would like 10 hot tubs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Just one big hot tub house. Right, a hot tub house. A, a house yes. in the shape of a hot tub oh where God. you're always in a hot tub. That's amazing. That's oh actually God. a total tourist attraction that you could just put on the side of a highway. I like yeah. it. 
We could do the first Airbnb the hot Airbnb tub house. Yeah. There we go. There go. There different we go. different cuisine or different sort of style of cocktail in each hot tub just bounce from hot tub to hot tub. Ooh, oh, I love that. Sounds like we got an investor. Wow, Gilmer, have you thought about this before? <laughs> no, no, I haven't actually. But Those ideas are coming quick. <laughs> okay, question number two for you guys. What's one item that you splurge on that's really important for your relationship? Andy, why don't you go first? Okay, I said date night. This is uh, something that we hadn't been doing for a while uh, when we had little, little, little kids. And um, I saw it sort of weighing on us and, you know, losing some connection time. So I made it a goal uh, for this year to do at least one date night a month. And something that we've kind of done to switch things up a little bit is I plan one month and then she plans the next month just so we're, you know, both putting our stamp on it. (laughs) But is that what you think I would have said? No, the question. No, 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 no. This thought. question was, "What do you think?" Yeah, this uh, one was for you. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. Ah. So did you answer it for me? Yeah, I did. <laughs> oh, okay, well, now I'm interested in what you said. Well, and it's, but it's not even a good. This was the game time decision one. I oh, put races. Races. Oh, like, oh, running. Uh, like races, running yeah. races that we spend some money on those per yeah, year. But those are good for us. We yeah. spend time together and we do our exercise. And we stay fit. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Staying fit. It's important for the relationship too. <laughs> Do you run together? <laughs> That's a good uh, question. No. Yeah, <laughs> we, doesn't bring us closer together. Right. We're like, I'm going for a run. You're home with the kids. Exactly. <laughs> you're right. It's the exact opposite of spending it, time together. But it does bring us closer together because we're just more relaxed and yeah. we get our alone time. Yeah, and, and being happier. physically fit is pretty attractive, too. So that brings us together. <laughs> sure. even, the, even the actual races, we used to run them together, and now he just leaves me in the dust. <laughs> oh, no. That's a romance. Whatever works, right? Exactly. <laughs> okay. So how would how would you point. answer that question about yourself, oh. Nicole? I'm I'm a bit curious. Um, what's one item uh, that that you would splurge on, or that you think the two of you would splurge on, that you think is really important for your relationship? Oh, um, the the home goods budget, because that's okay. just I don't know why that's number one for me. I could care less about clothes or shoes or makeup or any of that other stuff. Um, but like the, the home is just something that I, um, yeah, I grew up in a tiny apartment. So that's always been like a a thing for me. I want to make a home that we want to be in all of the time and that our kids are proud of. So, um, so we spend a lot on the house per month until I'm, uh, until I feel like that checklist is done, which until the hot tub is never ending. <laughs> What'd you say? Until the hot tub is in place. It, you're so right. That's the going to be the cherry on top of this cake. That's going to be cherry on the cake. Yeah, that's how the saying goes, right? <laughs> Whatever the saying Living is. Living on nine clouds. I, I got it. That is not. So tell me, so Nicole, it sounds like you've already answered this next question earlier on in the podcast. But feel free to elaborate, or or Andy, you can answer this first. But what's the first money memory that you have of each other? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I would say that uh, she touched on hers, and I would just say, I just trying to scrape up the money or borrow the money to to make the relationship a reality was the money memory for me. Like, you know, how am I going to be able to pay for these flights? How am I going to get out there? How am I going to like, you know, try to do fun things and show her a good time when I'm not making that much money? So I was thinking about it a lot, um, but I knew that it was really important to me. Um, I mean, saving up for the ring, you know, is a big deal. Um, yep. I ended up putting that on my student loans. 
wow. Which was uh, which she's still wearing right now. But uh, <laughs> yep, thank you, student loans, for that. Um, so yeah, just trying to afford afford me. Af- well, <laughs> just afford the relationship. I mean, a long distance relationship back to yeah. California. We're not making very much. Was yeah, it was tough, but definitely worth it. Yep. Mine was uh, the not paying the cab. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's a little more petty. <laughs> I lo- I explains love why, why, why you laughed mind. as hard as Ten you did. Ten years later, she's like, yeah. I know exactly. I know exactly what oh, yeah. to talk about. <laughs> oh, well, I'll, I'll one up you there. So, I mean, for the chivalry thing, like our first date, uh, we split the check. Yeah. So. <laughs> I was like, oh, would you like to split it? He's like, sure. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> first official date, but all right. It's probably a combination of the, you know, like you said, with the feminist upbringing, but more maybe probably being yeah. cheap. <laughs> That's amazing. Summer, do you want to go next? Yeah, next question. Um, complete the following sentence. When it comes to money, one thing we cannot agree on is blank. Why don't you go first, Nicole? Uh, well, spending money on the home. Because even though we do like have an agreement now, uh, it's an agreement. It's not that we both agree that that's an appropriate amount of money. <laughs> <laughs> Great <laughs> answer. That was the best answer. That was a good answer. It's yeah. an agreement, but let's just say maybe we don't both agree. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's been probably one of the defining things in our relationship over the past couple of years. It's like, there's no right or wrong way to use your money. It's just right. somebody's somebody's way. And yeah. if you're married to that person, do your best to try to understand their way, you know, because there's two people in the relationship. And that's something that I've, I've been working on. What comes to your mind, Andy, when you answer that question? So for me, originally, I wrote down buying the house originally. Um, the, the first house that we were in was my bachelor pad. And it was a little smaller, you know, like 1,000 square feet. And it was fine for us, for the two of us and a little baby. Um, so it was a big, it was a big, um, big difficult thing for me to want to do, to get a big mortgage and get a big house and have more stress of, you know, making sure I don't lose my job and I'm always earning the right money, especially as we were going from, you know, two full-time workers to part-time to stay-at-home mom. So it was, it was a lot of extra stress for me. So it was very difficult for me to say, yes, let's do that. I'm excited about it. But Years passed, and I love this place. (laughs) I love where we live. I love our community. I love our neighbors. I love the school district we're in. And I do love this extremely well-decorated home. (laughs) (laughs) And isn't it right that Joe from Sack and Benjamin lives down the street from you? Yeah, he just lives a half a mile down. So I go play board games with him every Thursday. So (laughs) I love it. I love it. I was talking to him yesterday. He's so awesome. Um, okay, last and final question. What do you think your partner's biggest money fear is? I think um, Nicole's biggest money fear might be not being able to enjoy life. Yeah, that's pretty pretty good. Like vacations. I would say the first thing that comes to mind is not being able to vacation because mm. we love, you know, having those moments away, um, away from all the stresses of Mm, sound pretty good. Yeah. Mm. Um. And then I said for Andy losing his job. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because he is the breadwinner. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not pulling in an income right now, so all of that weight is on his shoulders. I know that that's something that's very stress a stressful thought, which we're trying to combat with, um, yeah. you know, having these plans for financial freedom. And and the podcast. Yeah. yeah. The working podcast, on it. 
just got nominated for an award, didn't it? Yeah, I got nominated two, for no, podcast of the year. I'm excited yes, about that. Yes. And two. family finance blog. So I love it. Cool. I love it. Yeah. As we sign off here, uh, one question that we like to ask people is what advice they would give to, to other couples out there about about managing money. Um, I'd like to modify that slightly so you can answer both questions or or just one of these, Andy, because you've had all sorts of people on on your podcast. Uh, you've had millionaires, industry experts, people who've uh, taken early retirement and uh, have had exposure to different ways that people think about money. So um, either give us the best advice that you would give or the best advice, Andy, that you've heard from a guest on the show uh, about money and finances that you'd like to pass on to our guests and listeners. Yeah, I guess my advice for couples listening today would be take some time to have really important, deep conversations with your spouse and find out what their motivations are, both financially as well as personally, and then do your best to help them and uh, meet them in the middle and have some great conversations together because that's really what it's all about. And have them once a month and call it a budget party. There you go. Thanks, baby. (laughs) And call them an agreement that is just an agreement. That's right. I love it. And oh, don't ever get rid of the cleaning lady if it's on, if it's on, <laughs> yeah. uh, if it's on the chopping block, gentlemen. <laughs> is there anything that you would add to that, Nicole? Um, I would say even though we've um, gone through, we've kind of graduated from the Dave Ramsey course and we now do – you know, a lot of things that they don't maybe don't necessarily recommend. We kind of have gone to the next level. I would say if you haven't gone through the Dave Ramsey course, or at least just watched the DVDs, that is that gets you 80% I agree. there. I, agree. I mean, they're, they're very good. You take them with a grain of salt, um, but getting it, they help you get out of debt. They help you just in general, think about your finances and, you know, ways that are very, very simple that you don't learn in school. But, uh, yeah, I would say go through that. That's my best. I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you both for being here and for hanging out with us and for being so funny. And I wish we could have recorded the video as well because you guys looked amazing. Oh, thank you. You're too kind. (laughs) The Money Date Podcast is an initiative of Zeta, a company I launched to help couples track and manage their finances together. If you're inspired by what you heard on this show, you can learn more about us at askzeta.com. And if you'd like to support the podcast, here are a few ways to do so. You can subscribe to it, leave reviews on iTunes, Anchor, or wherever you happen to listen to your podcasts, or share it on social media with your friends. And if you'd like to be a guest on our show, write to us at podcast at askzeta.com.